This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. I hear people talk all the time on what Fox News, CNN, this and that and the other thing about accountability. And when you look at the politicians today and what they're not doing, everybody wants to know about their accountability. Well, you know what? From my earliest days on this earth that I can remember, two years old, whatever, my accountability has always been to God. So, yes, I'm accountable to my parents. I'm accountable to school. I'm accountable to whatever. But that all is only important to the fact that I also believe in my heart and soul that I am ultimately accountable to God because I could throw over everything in the world if I needed something to protect my family. I could do anything. But what's going to stop me and what has stopped me is, is this morally correct? Will I be offending God? Because at some point, that's the accountability that I care about. Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio on New York Mike This is a special edition of Roll Right Radio I know last week, like the week before I did have the other one broadcast I haven't even heard it But it's been a hell of a two weeks and it's hard to believe, but this special edition is the last night that we're with my buddy, Mark Novak, who's been with us. Well, Mark rode down from Washington State. Robert, two weeks ago tonight, was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, got on an airplane, flew like, what, 16, 18 hours? I think it was like nine hours to Miami, got on another plane, then with a two-hour layover, that's six more hours to L.A. So he got into L.A. Monday at about 11, and then went home, got a little refreshed, saw the family, (laughs) repacked his motorcycle, and then rolled down and met me in Kingman, Arizona that night. We got in about 8 o'clock. Got in at 8 o'clock at night, the Kingman, and then we left Kingman Tuesday and met Mark Novot somewhere in New Mexico. So Santa Rosa, that was it. And then we had the trip. I talked about the trip. We met with Rusty and his son, and that was cool. Rusty and his son were both on Harley Davidson Pan Americans, brand new. And that was kind of cool. We rode the rest of the way. And I, again, the trip, we had a lot of rain. We had a lot of other kind of bad weather. We ended up riding at night. We got in at Friday night into Washington, D.C., 7.30 in the hotel. Boom, right down to the wall, Vietnam Veterans Wall, in time for the Friday night vigil with the AMVETS who just did a great job. So 
I did the podcast and talked about the Friday night vigil. I don't know if I talked about the Saturday night event that Robin invited us to. He does the TAPS event. And Robin, what does that TAPS stand for? Tragedy Assistance Program. Program Survival. Okay, TAPS. We started 28 years ago. I've been going to the wall for 39 years. I've been with Gold Star families for all these years. I've had friends who've come back from Vietnam, who've come back from Desert Storm, who've lost friends, certainly from Iraq and Afghanistan. And I thought I had a pretty good understanding. And I knew that Robin had been involved with TAPS and had spoken at TAPS events before. But he invited me and Mark. It was my first time. I walked in there thinking I knew what I was going to see, and I did not have a clue. It was one of the most amazing events. Not the event, the organization. Going in there, it wasn't the event as much as that organization. They just, their soul was out there. When you walked into the hotel where the event was taking place, you see all these kids. Didn't expect it. Kids from the age of infants to five-year-olds and 10 and 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds. And guess what? They all kind of sort of knew each other. It's a networking organization for people who are survivors of military deaths. This organization, TAPS, brings the families together so that they know that they're not alone. They're not the only one who lost a father, a mother, a brother, a son, a daughter. And check out TAPS. Please, you'll thank me because it is so, I don't know how to say it. It makes you feel good. You go, wow, somebody's actually doing something. And look, we've been involved with all these organizations that raise money for the family so the kids can go to school. And that's great. The Warrior Foundation. And it's great. And I'm still going to, you know, give to them and have events for them whenever I can. But here's an organization that its sole purpose is to bring the families together. They have good grief camp. That's what they call it. And the kids go to the good grief camp and meet other kids who've lost a parent. And they're not alone. I never thought of it before, but here's a kid who maybe, you know, this six or seven-year-old lost his dad in the war and he goes to school. He doesn't have anybody to talk to. His friend next to him didn't lose his dad. The kid behind him didn't lose his dad. But here, every kid in that room has going through, if not the same, a similar experience. It, it was just incredible. So there were several speakers. When we finally went into the big ballroom, the banquet, it was really a special time. There were over a thousand people. You had what, over, what, 
75, 100 tables of 10, and it was packed. All these are just ordinary families. The kids, nobody is there trying to be better than anybody else. There's nobody. But the people that care for these people are just the most amazing people in the world. And I got to tell you, I've always been proud of my friend Robert Patch. I mean, I love that guy. And he's been coming with me to Rolling Thunder. This, I believe, is our 16th year. And I've told the story many times how he came up to me after a USO tour. I've known Robert for 30 years. We've been friends. We've ridden. But when he came to me, after he came back from Afghanistan or Iraq on a USO tour, and they were, he was all pumped up with the guys from the unit. And he said, Mike, I'd like to go with you to Rolling Thunder. And he did. And it was quite amazing. We got there. A lot of people recognized him. He always handles that really, really well. And then they said, would, would you come up on the stage? And he did. And he just impromptu made a great speech. And they asked him if he'd come back next year. Absolutely. Now, the second year, he prepared his speech. <laughs> I know it's funny. Riding with him, he does it so that that's how he is. Me, I just throw it out there. When it comes to my head, I say it. I hear it for the first time when whoever I'm making a speech in front of me hears it. But Robert was very careful. And I, I learned a lot. And I, I think I've said that in podcasts. But he made a speech at this TAPS event that I'm going to try to get a copy of it and put it on one of the next podcasts. But we had so many great things happen, one after the other after the other. The Saturday before, before the TAPS event, we went to RFK Stadium with the AMVETS, and there was John Stewart, and they had a big effort trying to get this pass act through for all these guys who were tremendously affected in a bad way from the burn pits. And it was just a great afternoon. Everything fell into place. It was wonderful. Then we come back. We did the TAPS event that night. The next day, and we didn't know how many people were going to show up for the rolling thunder part of the event. And it turned out, what was really amazing about it was rolling thunder. We go to the Pentagon parking lot, half a million bikes, and nothing could be done in that parking lot with the Pentagon. They won't let you have a stage. They won't let you have vendors. They won't. I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong. 30, what, 35, 36 years. It was fantastic. And then we get out. We do the demonstration ride around Washington, D.C., put the bikes all parked on the grass, and then we walk to the Lincoln Memorial. We have the staging there. Here, because we can't go to the Pentagon parking lot. We go to RFK Stadium. Not quite as big, but pretty damn big. We have the staging. We have the vendors. Everything is right there. The food trucks. It was fantastic. And the staging is all set up. We can play music. And then we take off. Rolling Thunder, the, the demonstration ride, takes off exactly 12 o'clock. So about 10.30... The stage is, is ready to roll. The band is playing. It's all right there. 
And it's exciting because everybody on the motorcycle, everybody, not just a handful who want to walk down to the Lincoln Memorial, but everybody is right there. And they had the speakers and each and every one of them was impressive. And then, of course, Joe Chenley, who's the executive director. Chenelli. Ch what is it? Chenelli? I said it wrong again? Oh, well. So he's a great guy. Former Marine, runs that organization, ran the stage, brings people up to speak, brings the bands, brings this, takes care of everything. And then he asked for the Rolling Thunder guys. And Walt Sides was one of the founders of Rolling Thunder, and he was there. And he has Walt Sides, Mark Novot, myself, and Robert Patrick go up. And then he has Robert make a speech. He did a great job. I don't think Robert was ready for that. He didn't have those prepared notes, and they're always so great. But he didn't have it, and it just, right off the top of his head, said some great things. And then I just grabbed the microphone and said, hey, I got something to say. So I'm, I'm going to play those next week, and you're going to hear it. It was pretty good. Walt Sides got up and spoke. But Mark Novot had a hold-up wall. It was pretty cool. Anyway, we left there, did the ride, did everything. I mean, it was just one good thing after the other. But I got to tell you, in a very interesting and maybe somewhat bizarre way, one of the best parts of the whole ride there and back has been the time that Robert, Mark, and I have been able to sit down. I mean, we're riding 8, 10, 12 hours a day. We get where we're going. We're almost too tired to get something to eat. We grab a cigar. We do it. But we always seem to have time to talk. And I got to tell you, one of the reasons why this time I got so into my head, the last day on Monday, we went to Arlington Cemetery. When we were at TAPS, one of the families that lost their son was someone who Mark Novot knew well, and their son was a combat controller who was murdered in Afghanistan. Murdered. And only about two years ago. And his dad was just such a great guy, came up, was talking to Mark, spent a lot of time, and asked if, well, if Mark was going to be there at Arlington. And Mark said, of course. So we all went. It was kind of tough. I mean, tough to get there because we were in an Uber for two hours. And it was hard. It was a lot of people. And we get there. Now, I've been to Arlington a few times, but I've never been in to where the grave sites are. And we went in. The Uber dropped us off. We had a walk. And as we walked to... Mark's buddy family was seeing families. They come there early in the morning. They lay out a big quilt picnic blanket. They bring the styrofoam containers full of food and drinks and everything. And it, it's amazing and it's heartbreaking. You see and you go, oh my God, they're there all day with their father and their son and their daughter. And their, 
and they just spend the day, the whole family. And just a few feet away, we see this young group of people all in their 20s, and it turns out to be the husband and the rest of the family of the Cole Sergeant, the Cole G, the Marine, one of the 13 killed in Kandahar as we were leaving. And she was the Marine that was holding that baby. And you've probably seen it, holding the baby, looking at the camera saying, I love my job. And there was her husband and their friends and her family. And they were just a few feet away. And we all, we went over and we talked to them. You know, her husband was a Marine. His buddies were there. And it, it just hit me in a way. I think the whole weekend probably hit me in a way that I hadn't anticipated. It was different than what Rolling Thunder normally is. The big crowds and they hit the Pentagon parking lot and the candlelight vigil. Here we just had the TAPS event. We had getting the Pass Act passed. We had everything that was fantastic. Rolling to Remember was fantastic. I, I don't have a count of how many motorcycles, but it was packed. I'd be surprised if it was anything less than 75,000. And then the next day going into Arlington. So I don't know about Robert and Mark and what got the three of us to have these conversations about the state of the country, the state of where everything's at, where, what's going to happen, where are we going to go? But that's what was different and more interesting to me than anything else. The result of everything else being so incredible and so substantial just gave us the impetus to have these conversations. So I, I wanted to introduce that today because what I want to do is share with you the conversations that we've had. So, and this might be a two-part podcast. So, say hello, Mark. Say hello to the world. Right. Hey, how you doing today? This is Mark Novat. Give me your background. Combat controller. 1984 to 1992, I served in the United States Air Force as a uh, special tactics combat controller. Operation uh, Just Cause and Desert Storm. Just cause South America. We did a lot of time though down in Central America with uh, in Sado Cano with one sixty eight. Didn't actually slap the cuffs on him, but was in that area. And we did a lot of work against the cartels with the one sixtieth down in Sado Cano, down in Honduras. Uh, Nancy Reagan and the Reagans were really big on drug interdiction during that time, and so we assisted and did what we could to uh, help prevent and stop those guys from bringing those drugs up into America. Did a good job, Mark. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Drugs are still prevalent today. I don't know if we uh, put a dent in it, but it still continues to happen. 1991, Desert Storm, let's move forward to Desert Storm. 
January, I believe it was the 15th of 1991. I was asked to go over there with two Humvees, ammunition, demolition, drop it off at King Fod and, and come on back after a 10 day stint. Surprisingly, when I landed, I had a buddy of mine come on and another combat controller and they noticed that I didn't have the correct filters on my uh, gas mask and we had the uh, incoming scud sirens go off. And so we were kind of frantically putting on the right filters so that uh, if an attack did happen, I'd have the right filters on and I wouldn't die. But that was another war that ended quickly, then came back and uh, basically got out of combat control. Went into the area of psychology for five years, got my master's in psych became a teacher for 23 years, college professor for 14. And, uh, and you're still teaching TAC P's um, how to swim. TAC P's in first group up at, uh, Fort Lewis, <laughs> Washington. It's part of, uh, aspect warfare. Now they have a 1500 meter fin that they have to do and, uh, 99.9% .9 success rate. Good for you. Robin, we've done this 16, 16 years in a row. 16 years in a row. I believe that. And this was. I believe that to be true, Mike. But this was, in my opinion, the most consequential. Would you agree or not agree? I would agree. Yeah. That was uh, filled with a lot of very special moments. It really was. I think the thing that, that hit me more than anything was the amount of love at the TAPS organization as towards the families of the fallen really made it a very special, memorable and thoughtful Memorial Day. Very profound weekend in Washington, D.C. Also interesting to see the transition that's happening as the Vietnam vets get older and Rolling Thunder has pretty much ceased to actually have a, an event. It's now being handed off to AMVETS and Joe Cinelli. And their priority cause is burn pits and the effect of burn pits on the men and women from the Iraq and Afghanistan war and suicide prevention, but also continue to show and shed a light on uh, the POWMIA issue, which is still a very important issue as well. AMVETS impressed me this Memorial Day weekend. Their organization skills, the way they're trying to position Roll to Remember as the heir apparent uh, ride to Rolling Thunder and continue to maintain a large presence in Washington, D.C. for the vets, continue to provide an event where the veterans and American civilians can get together on their Harley Davidsons and demonstrate for veterans causes and those other topics that I mentioned that are still high priority. Very profound weekend. There was a lot of God in Washington, DC with family and the events themselves. And I, I was really happy about that to be able to experience that firsthand, which led us to several conversations about what's going on in this country and the feeling that God is being shunned either by the government or by the country itself. 
And the government wants to replace God in our lives. And it's a very, um, it's a scary thought that the government now wants to be our light force. Before we, we were always God first. Now it seems like things are shifting where it's the priority is less and less on God. I think we're all the problems we're having as a country stem from. I think that the conversation that we had, we were talking about whatever you talked about, go to Walgreens. The clerk went to open up. Everything is locked down. Everything that I wanted was under lock. It was, it was under lock. I was not allowed to handle the merchandise. It was carried to the front desk where I watched two different homeless people come in and steal. And they were allowed to leave with their items, whereas I, as a paying customer... They just shove things down their pants. Right. And in their jackets. And, and then they, they walk out. Walk and, out. And they're, they're allowed to do that, but people that are paying... But then you asked... And I asked, I said, uh, yeah, what's up with that? And they said, uh, well, we're okay. And I said, well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad we're all safe and everything. But from a retail point of view, you can't absorb these losses if these are daily losses of theft i mean eventually you're driving the prices up for all the other items that we're getting and your business is going to close i mean you're going to go away so why is that acceptable and i think that we, we agree that the the election itself was a theft and if that's okay well then theft at every level is okay apparently we began talking about the horrible situation in Buffalo, the murders of these people. And then the next weekend, just a few days ago, in Uvalde, Texas, 19 kids and two teachers are killed. And then we talked about the fact that people could just go in and steal. It seems to be, it's okay. We're safe, so we're going to let them take it. There seems to be that corporations. There. And then we got into the conversation where we identified what was going on with all this stuff as a total deterioration of the morality of the country. And it seemed to us, and I think the fascinating conversation that the three of us had was that this is not because of a gun. It's not because of there are homeless people. It's because God is being replaced by the government. And when you take God out of the equation, when you take God away, there's really no other reason. Law enforcement by itself can't keep order amongst people unless people respect each other. And a point that you brought up was you, myself, Mark, and quite a few people that we know were raised fearing God. We understood that the way to define right from wrong was nobody may be around, but God is always watching you and sees everything that you do. And why is that not like a universal theme that the rest of our society is aware of? Because apparently people think that they can do whatever they want to do. I mean, it, it's in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, that it's all there. So if you don't have that as a foundation, then you've got a society where things are acceptable to individuals. It'll be stealing, 
The next thing you know, it'll be hitting somebody with your car and running from the hit and run. So the effect is a domino effect of, well, this is acceptable if I steal. This is acceptable. The value of human life is not there. People don't value human life. They just, they don't feel like there's going to be any ramification. There's no, there's nothing binding them to respect other human beings. It's just this loose chaos of anarchy. And it's not only against the law, it's against God. And that's the issue. I think that, right? Well, that, Can I articulate that right, Mark? But he's a teacher, so I value his uh, opinion. But so you've got this, if you're not taught to respect God and to acknowledge that he's always watching, character is defined by doing the right thing when no one's around, yep. when it's just you. If you are not in charge of your own character and you are willing to do things when no one's looking because you think no one's looking, you're forgetting that God's looking. And that's the breakdown, I think. Well, I think and that's why it's so crucial to have God back in schools, God back in our life. And we've got to realize, and, the, and, and everybody that's holding office, everybody across the board that's holding office, they seem to have forgotten that. It's almost like you're watching America as this Babylonian society that we're so arrogant, we're so full of ourselves. Entitled. And we feel that we are so omnipotent and important, and we're so intelligent now that we don't need God. That's terrifying. What does that mean? That we're headed for a cataclysmic event. We might see it in our lifetimes. Please Downfall. Don't. Of America. I just see it a little differently, but it's the same thing. I, I have I, a hard time articulating it. No, no, no. I, I get it. When I'm I, talking into your iPhone. Right. But, I, <laughs> but I, I think I shared with you how I felt, you know, about what I've done in life. And that what keeps me up at night, not what's going to happen while I'm here, but what's going to happen in the next life. I'm going to have to answer. I'm not talking about anything. That was illegal. You're in a war zone. I say this whenever I'm in front of a crowd of veterans, especially Vietnam veterans. We're over there. I'm proud to be a Vietnam vet. I'm proud of the mission that we had, saving the South Vietnamese people from these North Vietnamese who were just killing them, taking their food, taking their harvest, and all that. Which but, is a perspective that but, I didn't really understand until I started hanging out with you. Right, I've but, never heard anybody really say, I loved the South Vietnamese people. They were farmers. But also, I think I related the story, maybe to you, maybe that, of this Marine that I met many years ago, traveling to Lawful or someplace, and I'm wearing a vest, I guess, and a whatever. And this young guy comes up to me and says, look, sir, I appreciate your service. I just want you to know that there were still some of us ready, willing to die for our country. And I said to him, I said, sir, I appreciate that. I really do. But I want you to think about something. When you die for your country, you lose your life. When you kill for your country, you may lose your place in eternity. And I try to make people understand what we do, the sacrifices that we make. It's ongoing. It's not just the loss of life and limb. It's is what we're doing more 
And I hear people talk all the time on what Fox News, CNN, this and that, and the other thing about accountability. And when you look at the politicians today and what they're not doing, everybody wants to know about their accountability. Well, you know what? From my earliest days on this earth that I can remember, two years old, whatever, my accountability has always been to God. So, yes, I'm accountable to my parents. I'm accountable to school. I'm accountable to whatever. But that all is only important to the fact that I also believe in my heart and soul that I am ultimately accountable to God because I could throw over everything in the world if I needed something to protect my family. I could do anything. But what's going to stop me and what has stopped me is, is this morally correct? Will I be offending God? Because at some point, that's the accountability that I care about. And that's the accountability you care about. But that's not the accountability that's out there. Because these people don't take, I don't care if it's an AR-15 or a slingshot, whatever weapon they can find to harm and destroy another person. Well, there's a lot of evil running on the streets. The evil is set free when God is, is eliminated. Is eliminated. Take him out of the picture. Get I'd be interested to hear what Mr. Nevat has to say. I call him Super Mark, by the way, because he is Super Mark. Well, what it comes down to is what I think is God is being taken out of our country. He's not the center and the focal point of what we were actually built upon and why we all started this great nation. It was one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. They come from God. That's where they come from. That's the government. Not from the government. They come straight from God. And when Solomon had finished building his temple, in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which I think applies to all of us today, God said to Solomon, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And that's the problem today, is we got people that are away from God, turning away from God, not seeking God, thus the reason why we are where we are today. Well said. That's it. That's what we've been saying this whole I, I think whole that time. whatever the law is, the underlying foundation of a society has to be a common belief that there is a God, that there is a, an afterlife. And look, a lot of people from going back eons maybe didn't quite believe it, but they think they knew how important it was to instill it in their children and to nurture and help those people around them that were talking about that, that were reading the Bible and studying it talking about their belief in something holier than thou, because otherwise every person is an obstacle to somebody else's success. So just eliminate them and you can have your way. Yeah. And that's so, what the government's doing. Eliminate God and we can have our way. 
how do we do that? All right, let's figure out a way. Let's take God out of the school. So let's make them rely on us, the government. We talked about the gun issue with getting rid of the AR-15s, the, 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 the tactical weapons, or they want to find them. It's a person that's going to take that there's weapon. A per, there's a person on the end of it that takes a gun and shoots and, the grandmother. And that's what it's about. And but that having is possessed by evil. But having now the how did he get the having, But having the Second Amendment gives us the right as individuals, each and every one of us, the right as individuals to have a weapon, to be able to protect our families, to be able to protect the cities that we live in, to be able to protect it from government. because the British came into the homes of the colonists and were able to were able to push their way in and get anything they want. So it was important to say, wait a minute, we don't want that ever to happen again, where the, the colonists, the citizens, were so at the mercy of the government forces. So we're able to have guns. And people say, oh, do you, you, know, you value the gun more than your children? What a disgusting thing for that to be said, because that's what we all heard on television, these Democrats, congressmen, and senators spitting out disgusting things like that. Our guns, our weapons are used to protect our children. And how can you say that we don't care about children? Okay, I, listen, that we, it's a horrible thing that kids are killed, that schools are being invaded. But we're killing, literally killing, over a million children a year. And we say it's okay because we call it abortion. And in the last 49 years since Roe v. Wade, there's been over 60 million abortions. Now, look, I'm not here to say that's going to be legal, illegal. There's probably just as many when it was illegal. I remember those days. But don't tell me that guns and there's these horrible episodes and we're going to fix it. Harden the schools. Make sure there's somebody in the school that has a weapon to protect our children. But abortion, where, where, where? why not be able to teach, a, to teach the, the population? Yeah, abortion is legal, but it's horrible. It's immoral. It's taking a life. If you have a reason, rape, incest, the wife with the life of the mother, you know, whatever. Okay, we can have that conversation, but we don't. The conversation that we have is we label this the killing of a baby, a choice. It's not a choice. It's not a life or a choice. It's a life or an abortion. It's a life or death. And we don't want to look at it. And to me, that's the biggest evidence that God is missing. Is that, I mean, I think those are the things that we've talked about. And we talk about it because we go to Arlington, we go to TAPS, we see these people that have lost their family members, their loved ones fighting for this country, and we want to live a life worthy of their sacrifice. You said it in your speech. He did. How'd but you say it? Somewhere, it's an Eleanor Roosevelt speech, and to, I'm going to quote it loosely here, but it's, I know that somewhere out there, a soldier has died for me, and I pray that I am worthy of that sacrifice. Am I worthy? Am I leading a life that's worthy 
of the life that was given for me to be alive. And, and that was in your speech. That was in my speech. It was and beautiful. Am I worth dying for? Am I worth Am I worth? Am I doing my part? And this is where it's tied into people have to have a, a reverence. You have to have a reverence for someone. Memorial Day is not go thank a veteran for being a veteran. Memorial Day is a reverence for those that have made the ultimate sacrifice on your behalf for you. They laid down their life. That's the significance. They laid down their life for you. Every one of us has someone that's somewhere out there laid down their life for you. That's profound. And that's what Memorial Day is. And that person, that 20-year-old, the 21, that person will never have a child. Never have a And wife. that person's parent will never have a grandchild. Never. They, I they, mean, that's they sacrifice. The, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest sacrifice you can make is laying down your life for another. And uh, it's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. John 3, 16. No man has greater love than he give his life for another. That's pretty good. That's not bad, Michael Shelby. These are really complex issues. And I think you should have another podcast about it. And in the near future, when you can sit down and we can all sit down again. But, I mean, we're all kicking that, that we're all kicking these themes around, these ideas. I mean, the, we, we're all having the same, it's having the same impact on all three of us. Well, I think and it, you know it's having the impact on a lot of people out there. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things I don't know about. Why did this young man get a brand new truck? Why did he, who provided him with the, brand, the money to buy the AR-15? Where did the money come from to buy the... So you start to think like, well, is there a possibility that he was guided towards this event by some handlers of some types that came in and sort of said, hey, we'll take care of your family. I don't know. I'm not trying to hatch a conspiracy theory. I'm using that term only because that's the term that the media puts out there. But the, the idea that people want America. And one way to get it is to disarm the population. And if the government is now saying they want to disarm the population, the only people you disarm are your enemies. So it's, it's as if you can sort of let yourself go down this path of, wow, that's a big prize. Probably the biggest prize you can get on this earth is acquiring America. How do we acquire America? Well, there's going to have to be sacrifices. We're going to, there's going to be casualties of war. People are going to lose their life over this, but it's worth it because we want America. So you can kind of, you can lend yourself to believe maybe this kid was bought and paid for. Maybe his family's going to get millions of dollars. I don't know. Well, Certainly that, not that far out to let yourself go that way. No. I mean. Well, you think about these kids that think strap about on. Harvey Oswald. Where did he come from? I mean. Think, think I, about these kids that strap on. The vest, the blow themselves the up, yeah. the martyrs. Well, you bring up something interesting, and, and you're probably going to wrap this up because we're over 45 minutes, but that's right. That why don't we take, why don't we, why don't we see what other cultures, other countries are doing to protect their citizens? And Israel is probably 
the best example of what you can do if you set your focus on, we've got to protect ourselves. And I can say for a fact that the, the private Jewish schools that I know of, that I drive by from time to time, they're like fortresses with, with probably um, guys that were in the military that are no longer in the military that are now paid to walk around with a sidearm and there's, they're gated and they're locked and they don't just let anybody walk in. So it can be done. Why can't it be done at every public school in the United States of America? I think the idea that what I got out of our conversations was that we're all, no matter how much we think that we're right about this political situation or that, I think we've come to a conclusion that no matter who wins an election, no matter whatever happens, unless we bring back this, you know, get rid of this hubris, this bring back this sense of humility among the population out there. Bring out a sense that there's something out there bigger than us, greater than us, that we're endowed by our creator. And unless we're able to do that, there's no political plan, no political policies that's going to fix this. The American people have to have, like you said it right, reverence for a fact that there is a God. And I don't want to say higher power or this or that. It's God. And we and look at Ukraine when you talk about guns. And look at I always tell people, I say, if the Jews in the Warsaw ghetto had guns, we might have they they might have lasted more than 38 days, number one. They might have done a lot more damage. But just as importantly, the world might have heard what was going on. Earlier than 1941, we wouldn't have had to wait for the Japanese to bomb Pearl Harbor. We might have said, wait a minute, the New York Times could no longer suppress what they knew. They could no longer. And they did, by the way. They, of course they did. And FDR knew, and he didn't say anything. But if they had guns in the Warsaw Ghetto, and that was more than just a, a, a handful of Jews holding out, if they had guns. So think about that. Think about the importance of having weapons and knowing how to use it and being willing to use it, but at the same time, having enough humility to know that God's watching, thou shalt not burden, thou shalt not take another life. And if you do, if you have to, like you were talking about the priest that you knew or how. Well, my priest said something. He said, I, I, I re-looked at what he said, and what he said was, it seems that we have more of a love for weapons than we do for our children. It seems. I didn't see the entire uh, sermon, so I don't want to quote him, and I don't want to get on. I don't want to. I don't want to attack him because I didn't hear the whole sermon. But, well, no, I don't. But but because he, I don't know where he would have gone with that, but it, that's not how to look at it. If you look at, if you look at what a weapon is for, it's for self-defense. You have to protect yourself, protect your family, children. your children. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and as we look at society decaying right in front of us, as I get older, I want something to equalize the situation. If I find myself, my wife, my children in harm's way, I want to be able to equalize the situation. 
And it's not going to be hand-to-hand combat with me as I get older. It's going to be, I need a weapon. Um, I'm very offended by the idea that just because you have a weapon, you have the possibility of going off. And I mean, it's absurd to think just because you're a gun owner that you're a bad person. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to paint citizens that are um, enjoying their right, and maybe enjoying is the wrong word, but they're using their right to have a weapon, which you're entitled to here in America. Well, if you have the right to pursue happiness, you want to make sure that someone's got you back. Well, well you know, and that's another big part of this thing is it's the quality of life. Life is about quality of life. You want your health. You want to you be able to do the things you want to do. You work hard. You aspire to try to obtain things or, or, or do things. Or create a nice house for your family. You want to create an environment which is beneficial to your quality of life. And we're watching the quality of life across America just deteriorate. And no one seems to care. Not they they seem they to be care. encouraging it. Not only don't they care. They seem to want to encourage it. When they stop Let's us, defund the police. Well, when they stop us with drilling for oil. Right, right. They're raising the price of, of gasoline. Well, they want to take away your independence. They don't want you driving a car. They want you to use public transportation. Your independence is a vehicle. Your independence is a motorcycle right across the country. What if they say, we can't do this anymore? What if they say you can't ride motorcycles anymore? Yeah. I mean, well, the, what do you mean we can't ride? But this is my, what I, this is my passion. I love to ride motorcycles. I want to ride motorcycles across America. It's a free country. It's one of the great joys of, of, of living in this country. Well, what if they say you can't, you, you can only use public transportation. Well, you lose a, a certain amount of independence. Then... Now you have, you're relying on public transportation to get you to and from work. Well, you lose a lot of independence when you're not able to get in your car and start it up and go. Our freedoms are being taken. The freedoms are being slowly taken away from you right now. They want you not free. This is why people are starting to get vocal and strike back is not the right word, but get vocal and sort of push back push against back. it. We're pushing. Hey, wait a minute. You're taking away more of my rights. You're taking away more of my freedom. And with the COVID, there was a real lesson for us all when they did the COVID, because now it's like, well, you have to wear a mask and you can't do this and you're not allowed here and you can't do that because they want to acclimate you to what? Giving up your independence. If we're all walking around with masks, we can't tell who's who. We can't be individuals anymore. Right? Right? I mean, so that, they're, they're targeting us for something. What is it? What is it? I mean, they did the same thing after 9-11. Now you can't just walk on a plane anymore. Yeah. You have to, we have to see what's in your luggage. We have to see what you're carrying. More control. Now they want you to use everything as a, a credit card. You're not allowed to carry cash around. Some businesses don't allow you to use cash. Why don't you allow me to use cash? Well, we get so many homeless in here. We don't want the homeless in here. You have to have a credit card. So now they're discriminating against homeless people that rustle up money together to go in and buy something. Oh, you got to have a card. Don't you don't have a card. It's all about that. Yeah. This is the transition. This inflation is transitory. It's a great 
transition going on. We haven't talked about CRT. We haven't talked about gender choices. We haven't talked about that. And that's all out there. That's but all. God, well, God doesn't say in the Bible anywhere about that. It's there's a male and there's a female. Watch the nature channels. The male rug rat is, the male badger is, is getting ready to mate with the female badger. They don't, in, in the rest of nature, there is, you know, there's not a, a, a non-binary beaver out there. There's a male and a female beaver. You know what I'm saying? I think God did. I, I think there's a way, there's an order. So we're going to have order. That's the other thing I was going to say, Mark. The thing about the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, pretty much the Old Testament, though, you realize you're reading a lot of things and you're realizing, oh, I see what's going on. They're, they're getting people to clean up hygiene. They're getting rid of disease. They're slowly showing you how to organize your life and how to order what not to eat, what you can eat, what you can do. It was eliminating the chaos, putting order to it. Now it's going the other way. Now it's like, shit, we're ready for chaos, man. Let it fucking rip. They just want, they just rip it open, right? We saw that after George Floyd when we were coming back oh, yeah. to Washington, D.C. We watched the country rip wide open. That's okay. They need to demonstrate. They need to burn shit down. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's not okay. But, but, but it's but, not okay. I agree with you. It's but not. They let it be okay. That's because it fit the narrative. Because they let it be okay. They let it. It said to them, "You can it's rob. You can do. You could steal. You can, you can lie. You could cheat." We make a, a a statue to George Floyd, the criminal, George yeah. Floyd. Yeah. Yes, he was murdered, and the cop who murdered him is going to spend his life in prison. But it doesn't mean that George Floyd was a good man. And it doesn't mean there should be statues of them. And it doesn't mean it's okay to burn or to steal or to cheat or to lie or to kill. It just doesn't. And what this government has done by allowing that, condoning that, is they've allowed this chaos to take over. And they've given people permission to be liars and thieves and murderers. Well, this is where they, it fits the narrative of the white man is a racist. Every white man is a racist. And now that's the number one threat in America is a guy, a white guy with a gun that loves well, America, doesn't want, only, doesn't want to participate in the great transit. That's only the thing for the people in charge, the Joe Bidens of the world and the squad. I mean, it's okay. Maybe that's theirs, but we're going to replace them faster then they've replaced God. And we're going to bring God back because I think the American people have to understand it's time to get back and, and start believing in something other than yourself. The privileges that we have, they come from our belief in God. This also started when, with this road trip. Mark and I both have a practice of, we found out, the first thing I do when I get out of bed is get down on my knees and thank God that I woke up and I start my day that way. I'm grateful that I woke up. And as we know, on this trip, I lost a friend of mine, Ray Liotta, who went to sleep one night and didn't wake up. It's, wow. it's real. That's a real thing. That's a real thing to me to hit my knees and say, thank you, God. And then from there, list, list everything that I'm grateful for in my life, my health, my kids, 
their health, because that's the most important thing. And if that's how you start your day, Mark and I both agree, it sets the tone for the day. I've already connected with God. I've already thanked him for my life. I've thanked him for the chance to be here. And now let me go out and be a good vessel for him, for other people to see how I act, how I behave, the things I do through the day that honor God. I've got to honor God as much as I can. I don't want to dishonor God. Hey, Mark, I know that your buddy at Arlington, Matthew Rowland, did you want to say something about it? Well, in 2015, um, Matthew Rowland and another combat controller for Sibley were heading to the Helmand province in Afghanistan, and they were overtaken and basically murdered at the gate at the checkpoint. And like Mike had said earlier, that we were at a TAPS event that Robert invited us to, and the Rollins came up and tapped me, and they saw my patch, combat control patch, and I know the Roland family, and they're sweet people, and it breaks my heart that they lost their son. And they asked if I'd be willing to come out and spend uh, some time at Matthew's uh, graveside, and I said, absolutely. And Mike, you were standing there, and we invited you to come along. And yeah. Robert was standing around and I asked Robert if he'd like to come. I mean, these, to me, this was a selfless act. I mean, Robert and Mike could have done anything else that day. They could have gone out to uh, this place that we go frequent, Shelly's. <laughs> they could have been smoking cigars. They could have been throwing down with the guys, talking, but they gave up their time. They gave up their day to come out to pay a tribute and an honor to this family that lost their son. And... I do get emotional that, that, that meant the world, not only to their family, but it just lets me know that there's hope in this world. I mean, with Mike and Robert, the selflessness, that act alone just showed me their heart. And, uh, we we're talking about how God's been taken out of the picture. You know what? We are God's hands and we are God's feet and we can go where he calls us to go. And. All we have to do is be obedient. And these two men were obedient to God that day. I mean, they did the work of the Lord. And I can't thank them enough. And I know that family, that after I talked to them the next day, they were just honored, enthralled that they would give up their day to come out and spend it with them. And uh, selflessness. Like you said, time somehow out with God's ways. It's us just putting our hands on these families, these people, letting them know the perfect strangers care with all our heart. Because there were tears in our eyes. I know there were tears in my eyes. Yeah. And I tried not to, you know, make it look. It's there. So hopefully sharing it with the Roland family and family of Sergeant Chief. And the other families, I mean, it's like you said, Robert, and you said, there's somebody there that died. So I, my children, my wife, Trina, Barbara, Austin, Sam, Noah, Dorsey. I mean, there's somebody that died so we can live. And there they were, all these thousands of grave sites with the families. 
out there with their blankets. If that, if you can't believe in God after being there, and we have, I know that we need to have that belief reinforced all the time because it's so easy to go through tragedies, to have things happen to you that are horrible. And it's so easy to lose faith, but it's so much better to help other people keep their faith. And so yours can grow stronger. And as we get older, Robert, we're getting closer to the day that we're gonna, we're gonna find out. Mike, just real quick, I'd like to actually throw out a challenge to folks for next Memorial Day next year, that they find a national cemetery near them and maybe go out there and plant a flag next to a grave marker of one that had given up their life for them. And just to go out and maybe talk with the family, go talk with the family of a lost loved one and, and get involved that way. And I'll tell you something else that's, I find interesting is that I've always missed my dad. I miss my dad every day in my life, Do you know? Going out to that cemetery, seeing these families spend the day with their kids, being part of that just reinforces my belief that my dad is right there and we're going to be together. So, hey, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Robert wants to say next week on Roll Right Radio. Mike is going to do the Indian Chief Challenge against the Harley Dave. No, I'm just bullshit. Hey, this has been a great trip. Mark Novak, you have been the cement that has held this trip together. As my motorcycle would drift off, as Robert would run away, and you held everything together. It would desert us. Desert us. This hotel. Anyway, we all got to go to bed. We got to get up in the morning. I'm New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Thanks for subscribing. This is Roll Right Radio. Rolling right blessed with being honest. You're laughing. We are. We're blessed. We're blessed. Being born in America. I'm glad that it is. You're always laughing in this. Magic Mark over here. Super Mark. All right. Roll Right Radio. Later. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.